broadcasting from the Blanchestan Centre. This is Phoenix FM. This is 92.5 Phoenix FM, community radio for Dublin 15. Hey everybody, it's JB Jeremy Borash and you are listening to Daryl O'Connor on the... Pro Wrestling Rewind, it is show 34, and I'm alone this week until unless Dave joins in, so I don't know where he is, but hey, if he pops in, he pops in, if not, then we're just going to keep going. As I said, this is show 34, uh, and um, yeah, just checking to see if I actually was live there, so uh, yeah, if you guys are in the chat, don't be shy, pop in. We're on Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Thanks to Jay, to the True Penny channel for having us on. And um, yeah, this show is kind of different because it's, it's our first ever fan show, our first fan submission show. And uh, we will get to that um, as our main topic. Uh, interesting. I didn't actually... But yeah, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it just in case Dave pops in. Um this week was kind of weird in, in wrestling, um, like just before we, we jump back a bit. Um, I did have some segments that I wanted to talk um, with Dave on. Um, so yeah, look, we have this Raw segment now at the moment where it's this underground fighting league, Raw Underground, and it, it's, I don't know, I it's it got less time this week. Uh, it seems like it's planned out a little bit. Uh, slapdash. Uh, there's some people saying that they maybe shot it uh, in bunches. So what we saw this week was probably a little bit remainder from last week. But hey, look, we'll give it a bit more time. We'll see what happens. And then we'll kind of go forward on that. Um, Smackdown, the the WWE's anti-fire group, that's what they look like, is, uh, you know, probably did the most ridiculous segment I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And I watched a lot of WCW um, and TNA, for that matter. They came in and destroyed the SmackDown set with the smallest chainsaw in human history. So that was strange. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you like, uh, what's it, Revenge? I don't know. Whatever the group's called. It's just really dumb. And... um, I, I see what WWE is trying to do, but of all the factions they were trying to bring in, you know, we were thought we were going to get new nation domination. Thought that would have been a bit better, uh, but no, we just got this weird group that you know. Apparently, there's talks to the people who are portraying them right now aren't even going to be in it long term. So we might end up with a totally different subset of people um, a couple of weeks down the way. You know, there's talk it's going to be Champa. No one in there looks like Tomato Champa, but you know we'll see what, what's going on. They, they did make it very clear that they wanted to have some women in the group as well, which is why you can see their hair, uh, particularly when they go and attack the the female competitors. But it's just it, it's it seems very very thrown together, very last minute, and uh, it's just wrestling is just strange. WWE is very very strange at the moment. Um, some good stuff from this week I really really liked what I saw on AEW 
um, the Orange Cassidy debate with Chris Jericho is fantastic. Probably one of the best things you'll see uh, in a wrestling company this year. Uh, it's very funny. It's very good. Um, Orange Cassidy, I think, uh, is one of those talents that started off as a meme, and now you see that he's a lot more than just a meme. Uh, the match itself is supposed to take place this week, I believe, this Wednesday. So, um, yeah, we'll review it next week and see what's up. Matt Hardy took probably one of the worst chair shots I've ever seen. Um, Sammy Guevara threw a chair shot at Matt Hardy. Hardy. Matt Hardy. And uh, the blood was everywhere. It wasn't a gimmick chair. It wasn't supposed to be that violent. And, uh, yeah, look, it's, it's in, wrestling, it's in, in wrestling, everything is fake. Everything has worked. But, uh, yeah, apparently he was reprimanded for this. So, you know, hey, man, you know, maybe chill out with the the uncontrolled chair shots so you don't kill someone with it, you're right? But that's, that's, that's just, that is what it is. Speaking of which, another strange um, wrestling injury, I suppose, or not an injury, like an incident. Uh, poor, you know, Walter, mini Walter, uh, as he's, as um, what's his name again? Dominic, Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, he got absolutely destroyed with a bunch of kendo sticks. So that poor lad, uh, a very nasty segment, I must say. And if you go online and see, you know, he signed his WWE contract. He signed that match for Seth Rollins at um, at SummerSlam, but he paid for it. It's it's unbelievable. You know, it's it's just one of those things where um, you really can't. You really can't put a put a price on on that kind of injury, and it's something we haven't seen in a while. So, I know some people compared it to to the the thumbtacks on skateboard, but yeah, man, serious serious deals being paid there. But now he's an official WWE superstar. So um, yeah, we'll have to see what the match is like. To be honest with you, when I when I was watching that segment, it looked like um, you know they're, they're building a match with Seth Rollins. Over um, oh, and Samoa Joe rather than anything else because Joe obviously is still injured. That's why he's doing commentary. But they were the ones really building it up. And Samoa Joe can't be involved or to be suspended or fired or whatever that is. Um, but yeah, man, look, we'll have to see what happens. It's it's still a, a weird time. Um, there's some talk that SummerSlam is probably going to be on a beach. Um, and yeah, so let's just kind of see what happens. Yeah, we've got a couple of weeks out, maybe three, three, four weeks. It's 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 coming up fast. It's it's August, and it really doesn't feel like it's um like it's this this year has gone in so fast. So yeah, uh, the next topic this month. Speaking of SummerSlam, this week rather uh, featured the debut of Chris Jericho in nineteen ninety nine. Now. This is weird because I remember this happening. Like this was not something that um, you know. I, I, it feels like that long ago. It literally feels like two or three weeks ago, you know, or two or three years ago, rather. Um, but no, it's 20, 18, 20 years ago, which is scary. And um, yeah, it's on Raw. The Rock was cutting a promo. Chris Jericho. There for for weeks building up to this, there was the Y two J Y two J clock, and it was a play on the Y two K thing, and the Y two K bug, and all the fear around that in the late nineteen ninety nine, early two thousands, which of course was the the fear that the clocks and all the computer systems wouldn't understand 
what um <laughs> wouldn't understand what the year two thousand was and they'd tick over and they'd reset back to the early nineteen hundreds or something like that. Obviously that didn't happen. Uh, everything kind of worked fine. Actually, a couple of years ago, there was a bit of a, a glitch for something similar, but uh, it, it wasn't as apocalyptic as some people had you know, put out there and said, oh, this is the end of the world, and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't. But uh, it was a really kind of cool thing to, to, to adopt. And Jericho obviously used the, the Millennium Clock as his, uh, his, his, his namesake, his gimmick. And, uh, you know, for weeks building up to it, there was this clock with this time, you know, building up to it. And, uh, yeah, pops up halfway through the show, you know, three, two, one, bang, fireworks. I forgot how loud the pyro actually was. WWE really went for it with the pyro. And, um, yeah, Jericho comes out with with, his early, with the early version of Jericho's first team, which is still my favorite of his teams. And, um, you know, break the walls down. Welcome to Raw's Jericho, and the rest was history. Really good promo on The Rock. Uh, established himself almost immediately as a top star at the time. And, you know, we thought there was going to be big things. Now, what's weird about this, like, we've talked about this briefly, because late 99 is one of those periods in wrestling. It's it's my favorite period in wrestling. Um, to be honest, it really is late 1999, early 2000s, 2000s, up to 2001. Um, Jericho's book he goes into it, his first book um, where he, he talks about debuting and then just kind of disappearing off the show for like two months and that's kind of what happened he cut one of my favourite promos at SummerSlam on top of the lines then which was great and then that was it you know he had a feud with X-Pac and Ken Shamrock but he didn't really become relevant again until probably the early the early 2000s I know he had a feud with China and uh, Survivor Series into Armageddon but it wasn't until early 2000s where he started really kind of getting you know the fire lit under him Benoit would come in the Radicals would come in and then he'd really start cooking all cylinders but we probably will talk about the Royal Rumble 2000 um, around the Royal Rumble period um, because that's a fun show I know I've talked about it before but um, to actually go into a show by show it's really fun Um, and yeah he's a huge player in that and that's when he really can kind of see the shift but if you haven't seen Jericho's debut in WWE, it's unlike anybody else's debut. I don't think they've done anyone since that's really kind of grabbed right. This is what his, this is the character, this is who he is, and this is what we're trying to get out of him more than Chris Jericho, right? Like from, from the very beginning, he, he he gets everything across. He gets that he is a smarmy heel, but he's also the fans love him. Um, he can talk, he has a unique look, and this would kind of carry him over up until the first reinvention, um, probably three years later. You know, But to go back and see Jericho now in AEW and then go back and watch this, you're like, well, he really is a once-in-a-generation talent. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite moments of wrestling in general. So uh, it's crazy to think it happened so long ago and that would happen during the week, so... There's a good Twitter page uh, this week in wrestling on Twitter. Um, if you guys are on Twitter, um, if you are, follow me at RWV. And um, yeah, I post out anything good from there, and usually it's around the actual there now. Right. So let's kind of you know transition into this here. So obviously this show is for you guys, All right? Like I, was, I do the show for Phoenix, and um, you know we do it for the True Penny Channel stuff like that, but. 
the whole point of this show is rather than just talk about the week in wrestling or something like that, because, you know, thank God we don't do that in any great detail. There's better guys to do it, and there's just guys, fair play, it's a Herculean effort that I would just not want to do anymore. Um, you know, what's it, uh, Stephen Larson's channel, um, the Solomon Stands Off, all that kind of good stuff. They do it. And fair play. But what I like about this show is we can kind of do what we want. And we do. But that also extends to you guys who are listening and you guys who are watching. If you want something on this show, right, you can do it. You can just ask for it. We'll cover it. And one of our listeners, Nick, and I forgive me, I'm going to butcher your name, Nick. I, I really am. All Pawlowski via Facebook and via the Nerd to Know Facebook page, actually, um, requested this topic. Now, there's a couple of ways you can actually request um, us to cover something. So the first one, the most direct way is to leave a comment underneath this video, right? Literally. Under the video, you can just leave a comment, and we, we'll put it into rotation. Another way is over Twitter, at WVI Desk, at the RWV, at the Dave Stevens, at the Pro Wrestling Rewind. Should all pop up um, as well. Facebook, Nerdtino Media, um, Pro Wrestling, Nerdtino Media, the Pro Wrestling Rewind. They're all there, or at or, or sorry, Nerdtino Media at gmail.com. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can actually reach out and uh, suggest a topic. But if you're watching this video and I go, hey, I want them to talk about this, leave a comment below and we'll pop it into the into the hopper and we'll uh, we'll get to it. You know. But yeah, so this one um, was submitted about a week and a half ago. So thanks, Nick. I really do appreciate it. And he wanted us to talk about Monday Night Raw from May 17th, 1993. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's a strange one. Most of all, thank you very much for popping into the chat. And um, look, I don't know why. Um, I don't know why they wanted to talk about this, but we did. I, it was it was fun to kind of go back and watch. So what we decided to do for this one was do a comparison between 1993 and then 2003, so a 10-year kind of gap of these shows. They're going to get a different feel, and you really do kind of get a slice of what the product was like at these different points in time. And the first one here is obviously from May 17th. This was from the Manhattan Center in New York, New York City. And um, it, the, the, the main event really was Marge Gennetti versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF intercontinental title. And I guess that's a good enough place to start anywhere else. So it's weird to see Mar Marty Gennetti in a match, particularly after the week that he's had where he pretty much kind of admitted to killing a dude, but didn't kill a dude. I don't know. It's still weird. Marty Gennetti said he made someone disappear. So, yikes. And it's just weird to go back and watch this and be like, oh, kind of strange. Um, yeah, so the, the match he had with Shawn Michaels was, it, it wasn't great. It was like an 11-minute match um, where both guys, they weren't in their prime yet. They still weren't main eventers, obviously still in that kind of workhorse band of the Intercontinental title. It was a decent match. Um you know, it, back and forth for a while. Shawn Michaels hit the, the Sweet Chain music. I don't think it was called the Sweet Chain music then. Just a super kick, and Marginetti kind of no sells it. Uh, a quick kind of um, Smalls finish with Gennetti, uh getting the win after Shawn Michaels was distracted by Mr. Perfect to pick up the IC belt 
And it was cool to see Mario Gennetti win because the poor guy, kind of in general, um, always it always kind of rains the you-know-what on him. So I was like, oh, well, that was fun. Uh, Yokozuna had a very nothing match with Kamala. And that was less than four minutes. Um, by nothing match, I mean literally nothing happened. Um, it was all Yokozuna and uh, you know Kamala was defeated emphatically um, in under four minutes. And you know, sad week for Kamala. He actually died this week. So RIP Kamala. Um, also, funny uh, fun fact, really real fact. He has the most uh, the most sought after rarest action figure. That sells for about ten grand. So if you have a Kamala action figure from the early nineties, go on eBay and sell that because that's some worth some serious money. Tanaka or Tatanka, sorry, uh, not Tanaka. Tanaka, someone, someone else. Tatanka defeated Scott Taylor in four minutes. Again, this match was very throwaway and nothing was resolved. It just kind of happened. The kid defeated Razor Marone in two minutes. Shock finish. Um, you know the kid obviously X Pac. Um, wasn't really over. He was kind of, he was just kind of there and did stuff. And Razor Ramon was playing the bad guy heel, Scott Hall, of course. And uh, yeah, two minute match, nothing was resolved. Smoking Guns, Billy Gunn and Bark Gunn defeated to- uh, Tona Veja and Glenn Ruth. Again, uh, Veja and Ruth were literally just a job squad team brought in to get beaten by the smoking guns in about four minutes and the dark match which wasn't on the show um Hart defeated bam bam bigelow in 12 minutes now to me i if i was booking the show i would have put that on the show and it would have been the main event but hey what do i know i wasn't booking the show you're ringing out your commentators were vince mcmahon bobby the brain heaton and randy savage i really like this team it was great to hear bobby heaton on commentary, anytime you hear him, it's always a lot of fun. Vince McMahon obviously just is a is a meme as a commentator at this point, so it was kind of funny. And Randy Savage was being criminally underutilized as a commentator, but I think a three man booth on Raw at this point was was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved the presentation of WWF Raw from the Manhattan Center. I wish they still kind of did that, you know. Having that unique look is not is something that they haven't really had up until Performance Center when they kind of had to do it because of the long gone hell crisis. So, yeah, look, if you haven't seen it, you didn't miss much. Um, I hope this this made you happy, Nick. Um, I, I don't, don't understand why you wanted us to talk about it, but, you know, we did. Um, what's the most popped in here in the chat a lot of superstars in the 90s were involved in Raw and I true about sounds of it yeah like well, that's what's weird like Raw was a show in its early stages that you know they were trying to transition into a, a, a formula that worked Hulk Hogan had just left um, obviously the Ultimate Warrior as well they were all gone and they were kind of finding a way now to compete with, the, with WCW because it would be 93, 94 93, 94, 95 into 1996, where you'd really have WCW smashing WWF's face in. So they really had to uh, find a way to kind of uh, compete, and Raw was the way they did it. A lot of young superstars here, a lot of guys that would be bigger um, were involved here, but a lot of really strange strange matches here as well. Again, like while the wrestling here would be better than stuff you see in the edge there, it wasn't, um, 
it wasn't really a very meaty show. You know, you can really, it just wasn't. You know, it, it's the opposite of what we see now, where there's too much. At this point, there's very little. But again, it's a totally different presentation, totally different time. Um, and it, it's worth kind of um, looking back and seeing just how far we, we've come, you know. But uh, I, I kind of wanted more than two minutes for matches. You know, it's, it's, you can't really get much done in two minutes. Uh, okay, so to compare and contrast that, we're going to jump ahead 10 years. Now, I've never seen this up until now because I wasn't watching wrestling in 2003. And I've said this many times, you know, I wasn't watching during the quote, Reign of Terror. Um, with, with Triple H. So, you know, this was from May 19th, 2003. So 10 years later, we've obviously gone past the Attitude Era. We're in the beginning of the Rootless Aggression Era and everything has changed. The presentation, the format, the superstars, the, the commentators, everything completely changed. And uh, this took place May 19th from the Bilo Center in Greensville, South Carolina. And your commentators were Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. Okay, so first going into this, I was like, this was a much better show uh, from start to finish. Um, I, I enjoyed this a lot more. The matches were more fun. They were a lot longer and a lot more was done. And there was a much better story going on to it. To be honest with you, the, the Raw from 1993 did nothing, uh, told no stories, and there was no real reason for it. It was just a show, right? This kind of told a story. This pay-per-view, uh, sorry, this, this show came after pay-per-view. It came after Judgment Day 2003. So everyone was still kind of bandaged up. And this is one thing I missed from the shows, actually. Back in the day, they, you know, if they were hurt or they were, you know, they had bled the night before, they'd come with their head taped or with, you know, bandages or anything like that around them. It just made it feel more kind of real. It made it feel more like alive, like a show that, had meaning and consequences. Now they just show up and it's like, oh, it's fine, you know, whatever. And even the actually there to do it, but there was a lot of blood there. This was just kind of like Triple H went to a war the night before, and um, he was paying for it, you know, throughout the whole match. So our matches for the night were the Dudley Boys, obviously Bubba Ray and Devon. They defeated Three Minute Warning Jamal and Rosie in about six minutes. Now I love Three Minute Warning. Um, I was watching. Just before, just after they debuted, and they were gone by the time I came back. But I really enjoyed what they did. Uh, seeing them actually wrestle uh, in a competitive match with the Dudleys, this was really fun. This was a, a nice little tag team match to kind of open things up. Uh, you know, it, it's weird. Like when I came back to wrestling in about two thousand five, you had some terrible tag teams. So what happened? And you know, hopefully we'll have to kind of dig into that and see. But everything I saw here, I really enjoyed. Um, Kane and Rob Van Dam, who were the tag team uh, champions, defeated Jericho and Christian uh, for the world tag team titles. Right? Uh, sorry, uh, Kane and Rob Van Dam defeated Chris Jericho and Christian by DQ to retain the world tag team championships. Now, what's cool about this was this was set up earlier on in a highlight reel match, right? And what was cool about this was Jericho was obviously just being a heel, and Christian was the IC champion at this point. And he had defended, he actually retained his IC belt um, by kind of cheating against Booker T the night before. Um, you know, the goal was to toss the opponent over the, the, the ring ropes. And, he, you know, the referee was knocked out. Christian was beaten. Booker T won, but the referee didn't see it. So, obviously, Booker T 
lost and Christian knocked him out. And the whole premise of the highlight reel was Chris Jericho said, hey man, you, you cheated, right? People are saying you cheated. And then uh, RVD comes out and he's like, hey, you know, I want the IC belt because people actually like me. And uh, Jericho and Christian beat the hell out of RVD and then this match was made. So hey, look, it's an 11-minute match. Everyone in here, everyone in here was a great talent. Everyone in here was at top of the game. I think this was RVD's peak uh, as a performer. Kane's peak too. Uh, I love Christian at this point, and obviously Jericho is Jericho. A uh, good eleven-minute match, kind of a small finish, but hey, look, these guys would would team and feud a lot. Um, this is when Kane and RVD kind of had their big run up until they would eventually feud and break up the tag team. So, uh, you know, I would say if I was watching at this point, I would have really enjoyed Kane and RVD. I think it would have been one of the reasons to probably watch Raw. And uh, that's the kind of feeling I got. Weird match up next. Really weird match, so kind of bear with me here. Rodney Mack with Theodore Long defeated Spike Dugley in the White Boy Challenge. I don't know. It was what it was. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know. Uh, La Resistance, Ray Dupree, Rene Dupree and Sylvan Grenier defeated Scott Steiner and Test in a two-minute match. Yeah, so this wasn't good. Uh, these two matches were not good. This was slightly worse because of who was involved. Uh, yeah, not good. Not good. Goldberg defeated Lance Storm in, in about a minute. Poor Lance Storm. Uh, he got battered. And Goldberg killed him basically, and that was it. This was this was after Goldberg's debut. They were still kind of building up before he'd kind of, you know, go against Triple H or be ready for something like that. And uh, yeah, man, wasn't good. It wasn't a good run. Uh, no one really came out of this looking anyway strong. And uh, yeah, poor Landstorm, R.I.P. Triple H would defend. The WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Sorry, not the WWF. The the World Heavyweight Championship. The big, the big gold belt that they brought in after the brand split, um, and it was awarded to Triple H. This was set up earlier on the night. Triple H had obviously just come off uh, so, uh, Judgment Day, and he was pretty beaten up. Stone Cold Steve Austin was like, "Hey, hey, you're going. You know, we're going to talk this through." It was kind of funny. There was they did the whole. Triple H coming out, going to spit water, and Austin was like, no, spit that water out. We're going to talk. And obviously he did, and then this match was made. Ric Flair, now this wasn't just a throwaway match. What I liked about this was Ric Flair had a really good promo backstage with Triple H where he's like, listen, I need to talk to you for a minute. Triple H is like, sure. And he goes, look, when you asked me to, to walk the aisle with you, you said, I want the old nature boy back I want the old Ric Flair back and he's like well look now tonight I get the chance I get the chance to go out and prove I still have it I know you're the game but I'm going to go out and I'm going to give you my best and I want you to give you what I want you to give me your best and so I can prove I still have it so they were setting up this kind of thing we, we, we'd see this a couple of years later on with the Shawn Michaels thing where he actually would retire uh, well retire no one really ever retires right um, but yeah, so that was kind of the story going into this. They had a very good match. Uh, it was about seven and a half minutes. 
So nothing to really kind of write home about, but nothing to, to stare at either. This was a this was a fun little match. So um, yeah, Triple H would get the win, um, emphatically get the win against Ric Flair to close out the show. But if I had to rate the two, which we're going to, so I do have to, uh, this was a much better show. Um, I would say if you're going to watch any of the one, check this one out. It's on the network. It's on the highlights. But uh, you can see kind of how far the show would go. And this is before WWE kind of like settled into cruise control where they've been, what, since about 2006, 2007. Um, so still fun, still good. A lot of building going on here. You still get the drip feed of WCW talent that would come in after the invasion. And kind of the shuffling of the deck while they're trying to figure out what these two brands would look like. Ross still obviously being the main brand here. Um, so look, if you haven't seen it, give this one a look over the the May 19th show. Because there's nothing to talk about on that show. And um, yeah, so that's it, guys. And Dave obviously isn't going to join us this week. So, you know, we're going to cut this short. And um, what I will do for the radio listeners, for the podcast listeners, I'll go back and pop in an interview. Um, I'm going to end the live stream unless we got any questions in the chat. I'm going to end the live stream for tonight. And uh, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. We'll see you next week here on The Wrestling Rewind. Thanks, guys. In 0510 you can uh, you know give us your Royal Rumble predictions what, who you think is going to win because there's loads of different uh, names been thrown around there mm. new uh, new updated bet, betting odds which I don't really bet well, really at, at all no. <laughs> but uh, Skybet lists the top 10 guys who they think might win mm. and these are quite interesting uh, Brock Lesnar 16 to 1 John mm. Cena 16 to 1 Seth Rollins is 14 to 1 Seth Rollins is not winning no. uh, Goldberg 14 to 1 he's also not winning Chris Jericho 11 to 1 he's definitely not winning Samoa Joe uh, 11 to 2 that's interesting that's interesting Finn Balor 9 to 2 I don't think Finn's going to be ready for uh, he, they say he's not but he might be If I, I say if Finn is healthy yeah that's probably a good shout yeah I don't but I don't think he I is. don't really want Finn coming like I would much rather if they le- if they held off on Finn until after Rumble because mm. don't get me wrong I love to do the bits and he's gonna have a hell of a career but I don't really want them going oh yeah look we're kind of arbitrarily putting him in the main event and then he gets injured and going hey look we're gonna arbitrarily put him in the main event again <laughs> yeah you know no like I I think. Well, they, they were hoping for Finn yeah. and his WrestleMania entrance. That's what they wanted, yeah. but and that's what they built up. But Again, I kind of have to side with the Jason Solomon from Saw Monster Signs Off thing of Taker versus Balor. Well, yeah. I do think that would happen. Yeah. And if, he does, if he's not in the Rumble, that's probably exactly what will happen, yeah. which would be awesome. Randy Orton, 7-2. Mm-hmm. That's a bit weird. Why um, would Randy Orton win? I just don't get it. It's like no. Orton doesn't really have any momentum. Or yeah, and right now. like, don't get me wrong, Randy Orton's awesome, but yeah. like Orton versus Bray is gonna be. Yeah, main, that that's money match. right there. You know, that's that's fine. That's just I weird. I kind of want it to be a babyface Bray as well, potentially. Well, after the altercation with Randy Orton, that yeah. might actually happen. 
uh, Undertaker eleven to four. Yeah, weird odds, see, but I, could happen. I, I can, yeah, I can see it. I I can see where they're coming from. See, here's the thing. Depends what they go with, right? If yeah. they go with Finn versus Undertaker, yeah. obviously they don't want to know more winning it. However, if they go with Undertaker versus Cena, yeah, it, it all depends. Like, yeah. and if Orton, uh, sorry, if um, the Balor comes back. Mm. They will go with something else. Could work into the Undertaker match, but if Undertaker wins, you can pretty much guarantee that John Cena is going to be his opponent. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Braun Strowman mm. five to two. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be Braun. Why? I, I honestly, it's more just because I. It's too. I think. I think he could actually do with the Rumble win. I think it would. I think he would benefit. Well, here's something. Well, well, here's something interesting. It's hard no for way most of you guys wouldn't. But here's here's what's interesting about the Royal Rumble, and I was actually thinking about this mm. fairly recently. The past. Do you remember when? When was the last time that the Royal Rumble was used to get someone over? Now, now, I'm not talking to build up a WrestleMania main event based on an established sure. star. You know, like your John Cena's, your Roberto de Rios, okay. your Edge's. Your, uh, did Edge win? I don't think Edge won. Anyway. To, like, when was the Royal Rumble used to get someone over? Yeah, well... When Roman had the record-breaking well, performance. Ro- well, ro- yeah, but that just got him over. He didn't win. No, but it got him over. Yeah, but... That's, but that's, no, that is the question you're asking. No, no, no. I'm asking about the winner. I'm oh, not, uh, Flair. Uh, would it be that far back? Yeah, name one like that's what I'm asking. Like yeah. I, I put that out to our listeners as well. Oh, five, ten, fifty, one, eight, one. I mean, when was the last time, in in your opinion, yeah. that um, a winner of the Royal Rumble was used to build a star who wasn't already a star? Because some people say, "Oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, nineteen ninety seven, but yeah. he already was a star. Uh, you couldn't say Ray because he was already a star. That's true. Could you say Benoit? Well, we Benoit- can't. We, well, we can't say Benoit. Because you know WWE have pretty much written him out of history. For you know, it doesn't matter what WWE said. He won. <laughs> it's just a historical fact. But anyway, well, he was already over, wasn't he? Yeah, well, like, he was already as over as he got because the you can look at the attendance figures from that when he was champion. He didn't really draw money for them. No. Well, look, I have the list. I have the list of winners in front of me, mm-hmm. which will go through. Actually, I think that might help. Yeah. Uh, and for the record, Edge didn't win, so I was wrong there. But okay, so he didn't win. No, he didn't win. I thought he won a rumble. So did I. Oh wait, no, he did. 2010. Yeah. There yeah. we go. I was right. Doubt, don't doubt yourself, people. Anyway, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. Big John Stud. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair. Yokozuna. Bret Hart. Lex Luger. Mm. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Vince McMahon, The Rock, mm. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Brock Lesnar, Chris Benoit, Batista, Rey Mysterio, The Undertaker, John Cena, uh, Randy Orton, Edge, Alberto De Rio, Sheamus, John Cena, Batista, Roman Reigns, Triple H. Right. Um, Luger, probably. Yuck, Luger yeah. or Flair. It's yeah, like, it, it, it you, is that far back. Once you get into the Attitude Era, it becomes more of a mechanism to build storylines to build a storyline yeah. rather than to get a guy over that's true so I didn't think it was that far back but yeah like, but when you see the, <sighs> when you see those like once you see those people being named off you're like yeah this is how things went yeah like it's weird because it's always sold in such a way that oh if you win mm. this you're gonna be a superstar it's like you're already a superstar mm. <laughs> you know like 
as much as I like Triple H winning the belt, and I do think Triple H should win the Rumble every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, joking, guys, come on. Yeah. Well, kind of. But, uh, you know, he didn't need to win it. That was yeah. obviously a storyline. Like, there was no... Mm. Like, he didn't get over yeah. by winning the but like, Rumble. But no one got over by him winning, you know? Well, I was happy. Yeah, but, like, you know what I mean, though? Like... Did it make did it make Roman Reigns a bigger star? No. Did it make Dean Ambrose a bigger star? Yeah, no. but when Ro- make but when Roman Reigns won, that also didn't make him a big star. It was it was the yeah, pu- it was the that, Pucci again, moment around the world. That's another conversation. You know, it, like uh, <laughs> um, to to uh, quote my one of my favorite books of all time. That that's another story, and we told it another time. <laughs> like he, um, like that rum like uh, like. Almost every Rumble for the last, I'm going to say, 10 years at least, has done a really poor job of getting anyone over. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, okay, actually, that's not fair. They did a good job of getting Roman over, the one where he had the record-breaking eliminations. That did a really good job. Well, the Rumble also has gotten Kane over super big. Yeah. You know, like, I think when you say the Royal Rumble, you know, Kane is your... Yeah, you're a guy who gets brought up every every year. Yeah, well, up until recently. Up until recently, of course, yeah. with, Ro- with Roman Reigns beating that Kofi, and Kofi. You know, no. so but then again, they're like they're like the warlord or Santino. Yeah, you know, who who took that? You know, it's like th- their names who are put in the video package. Yeah. like you know, synonymous with the Royal Rumble. But like, I, I'm actually surprised myself. Yeah. I would surprise myself that, like, looking at these lists, we've been propagandized into thinking one thing that actually isn't true. Mm. 1992 was the last time someone was made by the like, Rumble. Flair had only been working for them for a couple of months. Like, some, some, some people say, oh, Ric Flair's a star. Yeah, but in WWE, he wasn't the man yet. Yeah. This yeah. is a really good way of fast-tracking him to being the man. Mm. Even for, if you did get his ass handed to him by Taker at Mania that year. <laughs> you know? But, like, I mean, that was the thing, though, too, is that, like, there's just so many, um, <clears throat> like, there's so, like the, the thing that strikes me as well is Kurt Angle isn't on that list of people who's won the Rumble. No. Well, think about is, it. When the years Kurt Angle was, was active. Yeah. From 2000-2006. Yeah, like, 2006, obviously, was uh, just after Eddie Guerrero was was not killed. Yeah, so he he was champion at that time. Well, no, uh, 2006. Yeah, he was champion. Yeah, but it was the Rey Mysterio push. And you got to think that maybe, you know, if he hadn't died, we would have seen... Angle versus Angle, oh. which, 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 which is something that they were kind of teasing at the time, yeah, and something that you know definitely I could probably see if not Eddie um, winning that. But you also have to remember, Angle only got that belt because exactly. Batista got injured. Yeah, yeah. But well, okay. Look, uh, he wouldn't have won 1999 because he debuted yeah. at Survivor Series 2000. No, but he did have a fantastic match mm. for the time with Taz. Yeah, so I wouldn't trade that. Um, 2001. Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah. his thing. 2002, <laughs> Triple H, yeah. his return. Uh, 2003 was Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So you're realistically right. 2003 to 2006. Yeah. He could have had Benoit. He could have had Benoit and he could have had Batista's. Should have actually had uh, Batista's. Uh, no, I, for the story they were telling with Batista, I think. There, there was another way to get there. Yeah. But uh, again, 
2006, 2005, and 2003, 2002, 2001 were all very much storylines yeah. for the sake of it. Uh, and not really to to establish somebody. And I think mm. maybe that's why we didn't see a Kurt Angle win. I'd say though, 2000 mm. was weird because that was like The Rock where he tried to repeat the... Well, he, he did repeat mm. the Luger-Brahart thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that was for a waste <laughs> of a WrestleMania match. But that fell like, for WrestleMania 2000 was a poor WrestleMania for a very good year of wrestling. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like 2000 was a, was one of the best years ever in wrestling. I would argue it's the best year of wrestling ever for WWE. Anyway, mm, I like 2001 up until the wheels kind of fell off with the end of the invasion. <sighs> I have a personal soft mm. spot for it, but I do agree that 2000 technically on paper is a lot better. Even mm. week to week watching the shows yeah. is so much better. But um, yeah, WrestleMania WrestleMania 16, yeah, which is called 2000 yeah. was 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 not good. Mm. <laughs> had three really good matches though. Oh yeah, like it still it still had things that were were were, were worth the price of admission. Yeah, you know. Also like the stage, like we'll get to that when we're talking WrestleMania. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what I would suggest to everybody listening, go back and look at these um, look at these figures and like. We did a show a couple of years ago where we looked at the Royal Rumble 1999, mm. and that's a cluster you-know-what of a show. <laughs> and a rumble, that's just a mess of a rumble. Mm. That rumble's so much fun, though. It kind of is, though, but it also isn't, yeah. because... But, like, you know, like we have people now who are listening to the show, mm. or some people, like, definitely people walking around who are wrestling fans. Mm. I'm not talking about kids, I'm talking about, like, teenagers, who weren't alive when the rumble ha- when this rumble happened. So yeah. you don't know anything about it, but it's weird, you know? Uh, but no. I, like, I even still remember, like, what was the? There was a rumble a couple of years ago, where like for the first ten ones, it was just CM Punk throwing guys out of the ring. It was on the microphone, the straight, it was, that was, was amazing. The, he was on yeah. the Straight Edge Society, yeah. and he would just sit down Indian style and just cut promos on people. Oh, that was phenomenal. And, like, that was great. And I remember sitting there with one of my friends, uh, and like he was just going, "This is the dumbest thing," and get and like being real, like like genuinely getting heated up because of Punk and it's like this is great stuff this is great heel stuff no I love that but I think that was some of the best best stuff of Punk's career yeah uh, was that that run with the Straight Edge Society oh, mm. like as far as character development because even when he became like a megastar mm. there wasn't really that much character being shown by Punk well oh, I mean again Talking about the the odyssey of CM Punk mm. is kind of a show in itself, which we yeah. might actually do. We, we, we might, might we actually might do. In do. The I, th- I think you know. I mean, it might be one thing if you guys are interested. We might actually kind of do bonus shows where we talk about guys of interest. Like, I'd love to do a show on Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um. Like, I'm actually reading his uh, his book again because I just got in the headspace to uh, to read it. It's a good book. Yeah, very good book. Um. Like. I wouldn't mind doing one on him. Like, mm. there's, there's, there's lots to talk about, you know. Yeah. And but there's, there's loads of guys I'd love to kind of have discussions about. Yeah, you know, it's just literally gauging the interest. So yeah. you know, let us know. Um, wbis2016 at gmail.com is how you can yeah. reach us, and that's where we take your emails also. Um, but uh, yeah, we've also got a Twitter as well. We too. have Twitter as well, which is at wbis. This is a very interesting show because this is an interview with Matt Hardy, which um, is one of the three or four interviews which I have uh, just sitting around on my computer, and I never actually up- 
uploaded on the website, so it's really, really, um, well, it's my fault that they didn't go up there, but uh, I'm getting around to it now. And this is an interview with Matt after Slammiversary and the uh, controversy with EC3 and the World Heavyweight title. So guys, check it out. It's a 15-minute interview. Very interesting one. Okay, um, well, there's a lot going on right now in TNA. Uh, talk to me about how your your this whole situation with the world title came about. How did you end up in the match? How did you feel about competing in front of your home, your home crowd at Bound for Glory, first of all? I, uh, well, I ended up in this match, uh, from a storyline perspective, what happened was, uh, I was involved in a tag team match with, uh, Drew McIntyre, uh, the, the, the go home week right before Bound for Glory. And, uh, and the deal was Dixie Carter had been having a, a real hard time controlling the, the egomaniac, her, uh, her nephew, EC3. And, uh, and basically she said if we won, the tag team match, not only was Drew Galloway in the match, but also myself as well. So it became a three-way dance. And then she announced my brothers as the referee. Right. So that's how we got there from a storyline a story perspective. I think in the big scheme of things, I think TNA and management realized, like, hey, we're in North Carolina. Uh, you know, we, we had a couple ideas for Matt, but I think this would be the best usage of him. And, and I think it worked out, especially because, like, for three months prior to that, I had been working with EC3 in a, in a program for the world title. So I think you kind of tied up a, a nice little a nice little bow on everything, especially the story, because you had, you know, the guy, Matt Hardy, who's fighting for redemption against EC3 and fighting to win that heavyweight title, and then finally, you know, I'm able to, to walk into this match at Bound for Glory in, in my hometown, uh, or actually 100 miles in my home state, 100 miles from where I actually I live, in my home state, and, and be in front of my uh, fellow North Carolinians to perform, and, and, and that was amazing. Uh, that, that night was truly incredible. I was so honored to be to be put in the match, and I was also so uh, so excited to perform in North Carolina in, in that main event of the pay per view for the for the world title. And when the match was all said and done, and I became the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, and then you know it was so great to have my dad, who's 82 years old, and he mm-hmm. had a lot of health problems in the last few years. For him to be alive and be able to be there and witness it and celebrate with me in the ring, my son, who will be four months old tomorrow, Maxwell, for him to be there and celebrate it with me. Uh, my wife, my brother, my best friend Shane Helms, all, all those people were in attendance and we celebrated at the end of the night. I mean, it truly was like a, almost like the, the, a happy ending to a fairy tale. And, and not a lot of guys get to have that in wrestling career. So I, I feel very honored and humbled to, to have been able to have that magical moment. Right. And it, it's something that I think a lot of TNA fans, myself included, were expecting to happen a little bit sooner. Um, you know, but we're glad it happened when it did. So um, I, I was happy when you won the belt, and honestly. But what happened afterwards? Thank you. What happened afterwards really confused me because I know there was a lot of outpouring of support for you when you won the belt. You know, people were happy. To, you know, we were happy when Jeff won. Happy when you and you know you have a lot of fans to carry over. How did you feel when you found out you were going to drop the belt, or was it actually your decision to drop the belt? Uh, well, when, when the thing came about of EC3 filing an injunction and me having to relinquish it, uh, you, you know, it's certainly not a perfect case scenario. In, in, in a perfect world, I would have loved to have been a uh, fighting and defending champion, and I would have loved to have had a celebration Wednesday on Impact, uh, and then I would have loved to have started wrestling different uh, number one contenders and, and, and became a great fighting champion and, and 
TNA Impact Wrestling fans what they deserve, a champion who goes out and has kick-out, uh, kick-ass matches week in and week out, and that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. The reality of the situation was is that uh, you know the, the the belt had to be relinquished, it had to be vacated, so we could move into this World Title Series. And uh, you know, not not a, a perfect world scenario, but it is what it is. And you know, regardless if I had the belt for you know three days or three minutes, that moment that I had celebrating at the end of Bound for Glory made everything worthwhile. Right. Um, what was the the, the remit? For you, were you told going into the match that the that the belt was going to be taken away, or um, did you decide, hey, this would make the storyline better, or were you were you involved at all? That's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was involved. I was involved with uh, I, I was involved with everything that was going on decision making was. Yeah, and, and it was basically one of those things where you know. TNA and Destination America, they were kind of figuring out where the future goes, sure. and basically this is the hand that, that, that TNA was dealt, and we had to make the most out of it, and that, that's, that's what we did to make the most out of it. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, we're moving forward into the the, the world title se- the world title series. Um, how do you feel? Are, how, how involved are you in this now? Are, is, is the goal to try and get back up on top, or are, are you looking for revenge on EC3? Well, I no doubt. Uh, my my goal is to win this thing and become the TNA World Heavyweight Champion for a second time and have the the reign that I actually deserve to have. Right. And uh, in, in, a, in a in a best case scenario, the finals would come down to me versus EC3, and I would beat his little ass and pin him so he can say he was unpinned anymore. You know that that would be that'd be the the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I, I want to go on. I want to win the World Title Series, and I want to become the champ, and I want to represent TNA proudly and give. The Impact Wrestling fans, a champion they deserve. I mean, I really hope at the end of January, what the Warthouse Series will be done by then. I hope at the end of January, when we roll into the UK and those, those three big television tapings, I want to be the champion at that time. Okay, well, hopefully um, that would be cool to see, man, because it's been a while since you've been here in the UK. Um, how do you feel about maybe uh, working over here again? Are you excited about it? I, I, I love coming to the UK. Um, I was I was with TNA last January on on their, their tour and wrestled many times over there. And I actually came back in March for uh, for Preston City Preston Championship Wrestling that I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes, uh, I, I love coming to the UK and I love how great and loyal UK fans are to Impact Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that warms my heart. Uh, just the fact that they are so committed and, and so supportive and loyal of TNA is great. You know because I know TNA is like. Is, is a player, you know, and we are competitive to WWE there in the UK marketplace, which is is amazing because you know WWE is such a such a juggernaut in in, in the wrestling industry. Mm. Uh, I love coming there because the fans are intelligent, they're smart, and they're also very respectful. You know, much, much. I'll be honest. I love the United States. I'm born and raised in the United States, but the UK fans are much more respectful than the United States fans. And just for the record as well, the Irish fans love you too, Matt. They really do. We miss TNA <laughs> in uh, in Ireland, you know, but some of the best shows I've ever seen actually involved yourself when you were uh, with TNA a couple of years ago in Dublin. That was a really, really good night. Very good. Yes, I uh, I, I know Ireland is a, is a great market for TNA, and, and I hope we make our way back over there sooner than later. And and I think from, from the little rumblings I hear, you know, a, a little birdie told me that, you know, we're hoping that to go over there more, so I'll say, hope that comes to be. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, <clears throat> what can the fans of TNA um, expect from this World Title Series? 
I, I think they can expect it's going to have much more of a, a sporting event type feel okay. than like a, a professional wrestling slash sports entertainment concept. Uh, even if you watch the first show with the, the graphics and the yes. scoreboard and just the way it's, it's like much more of an athletic contest. Uh, it's, it's very similar. Obviously, it's, it's based after the World Cup. Uh, it's going to be. A, it's going to have a very similar format. And, and I think wrestling fans who really love wrestling more than like storyline, uh, overly heavy storyline driven pieces on wrestling shows. I think they're really going to enjoy this because the action is going to be every man in this tournament. You know, the 32 people that started want to win it and become the final guy and become the champion. So it's going to really have much more of an athletic sporting event type feel to it. And you think that's the direction of uh, pro wrestling should go in now? I, I, I think it is. More, I, pro wrestling will always be kind of a standalone act because there's always going to be an entertainment aspect of it because you're going to have larger-than-life characters. Right. And it works because you can you can even look over like UFC. They built you know they a lot of personality and personas under their characters. Uh, the guys who stand out in you know, in baseball and, and football, and I'm sure over there, soccer and your football, like, I mean, there, there's going to be guys who almost like have a gimmick, who have, like, a larger-than-life personality, and they become the biggest stars in the league, mm. you know, all, more, more often than not. And, and that that's always going to be a part of professional wrestling. So Impact Wrestling is always going to have guys that are characters, that are going to have personas that are larger-than-life. But I think the more we can kind of gear it towards being a sporting event, I think it'll, it'll even more appreciated for me from the fan base. Okay. Uh, well, we're on a bit of a time lapse here um, in the UK and Ireland because we get the shows on a Sunday and a Wednesday compared to uh, when they go live in the US. So there's there's still kind of a bit of delay from um, feedback here um, towards the series. What it's been? What has it been like over there in the US? Uh, it, it, it got great feedback. Uh, one thing that that made me very happy is that after the Bound for Glory pay-per-view and, you know, the celebration of me winning, and then it happened pretty rapidly in the in the next couple of days so after the EC, EC3 injunction and then me having to relinquish the title and then the World Title Series started. I mean, it happened very, very rapidly. Uh, but just all, all that buzz about actually here in the United States, it drew the, probably the best rating we've had since we've been on the Destination American Television Network, which is it's cool because it shows that people are interested in what was happening from... Uh, you know, a storyline aspect aspect from the company. So I think people are going to see this show and go, wow, this is really kick-ass wrestling. And I think that's what diehard wrestling fans want now in this day and age of 2015. Mm. Um, it, 2015 has been a, a crazy year for you in particular. You know, you had a great series of matches with the Wolves on uh, Team 3D. And you actually had to vacate the tag team belts there as well. So it's you, you've won championships, but you've vacated championships as well. It seems to be you're winning championships left, right, and center. Like, how do you feel about 2015 as a whole for yourself? I, I, 2015 has been a standout year for me, and, and a lot of body, body of work looking at it from top to bottom. And, you know, it, it sucks because at least I don't have to take the, the heat for these titles being relinquished or vacated. In the first one, it was mm. my brother you know, being evil Knievel, breaking his leg. So uh, I didn't have a tag team partner, so I was forced to relinquish the title. Yeah. And then uh, the, the second time around, it was EC3 and his malicious hate for me becoming champion in my home state. He's the one that filed the, the legal issue, which made me relinquish the title. And, you know, looking back, it, it sucks. It'd be nice to have great reigns with those. But, you know, I, I my job. I worked hard. I uh, earned the title match. The circumstances. My goal right now is to win this World Title Series and get that record. Um, 
Okay. Um, hey, Matt. You, hey, Matt. You're cutting in and out quite a bit. Um, it may be where you're located in your, uh, where you are. Okay. Uh, I'll try and stay. Is, can you hear me right now? Yeah, perfect. Okay, I'll try and try and stay right here. Sorry about that. It's okay. No problem. Um, yeah, no, just to finish up, Matt, um, 2016, looking ahead, um, what does the future hold for yourself and, and Jeff and, and Hardy brand in general, aside from the, the world title series? Like, what do you guys want to achieve next year? Well, I know uh, right now my brother is, uh, is uh, his leg is healed from the break he had, but he found out he had some, uh, some ligament damage in his leg, so now he's doing uh, rehabilitation on that. Uh, trying to do it without uh, having surgical, without having a surgical procedure done. Mm-hmm. So I know his first goal is is to get healthy. Right. My goal obviously, obviously is to is to win this world title series and become the uh, TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Okay. But, but in the bigger scheme of in the bigger scheme of things, I want as a singles competitor to try and be a great representative of TNA, and I want to do things for TNA that I can. You know, I want to do everything for them that I can to help them as a brand and as a company and help grow. Whether it's here doing this promotional interview with you or just being a great performer whenever I'm, you know, wrestling on the television programs or if I'm doing a meet and greet or if I'm representing them in any way, shape, or form because the wrestling industry needs TNA and, and it needs Impact Wrestling to grow and, and thrive. And there's a lot of guys out there that uh, that are working with TNA that are amazing athletes, amazing professional wrestlers. And it's my job to try and help uh, contribute as much as I can to TNA and just make it the best possible product that it can be. I agree, hundred percent. I've been a fan for twelve years, so you know, it's it's something that I am happy to hear, and I wish you all the best, sir. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 